If you'll turn in your Bibles to the book of, you're going to start, I'm gonna, that's good. Next week, you got to say it in Hebrew, exhadas. Okay, all right, practice today. That's very good, very good. All right, we're going to be in the book of Exodus. We're going to be in chapter five. And I would just remind you as you, uh, as you turn there that if you don't uh, have a Bible that you can walk home, uh, take home with you, uh, we would love to send you home with one. It is our gift to you. Uh, would love to send you home with a copy of God's word. If you uh, would like, you can go to the resource center after service out these double doors either way there uh, out to my right, your left uh, and visit the resource center. We'd be happy to send you home uh, with a copy of Scripture. And if you haven't gone by the new Resource Center, there's all sorts of really cool uh, tools for diving deeper into God's Word and for getting connected here. And I uh, would encourage everybody to make a visit at some point soon to that Resource Center. Uh, we are in chapter five of the book of Exodus, journeying along. And last week we left Moses and Aaron as they went on their way to Egypt and they uh, reported to the Hebrews why they were there. And this is where we get chapter four, verse Verse 31, with that recognition that God had heard their cry, and it says the people believed, and when they heard that the Lord visited the people of Israel, that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and worship. And again, I just think what an overwhelming moment that would be to have gone through so much. And then, and, and you know, I don't know, I, if you're anything like me, there are definitely moments, and maybe you're in the middle of one, where you are praying and asking God for something, and you are in the back of your mind also wondering, is anybody there? Is God hearing me at all? Does, does, does this just fall on deaf ears? And we have those moments, if we're honest, we have those moments in prayer where we have to, where we have to fight through those sorts of thoughts. And I just imagine the, uh, the, the moment of just overwhelmed uh, that that would be to realize that all of what I've prayed has gone before God and he has come to my rescue. And uh, that's where we left in chapter four, verse 31. And so the stage is set for a showdown with Pharaoh. Now, as I'm reading this, and maybe this is just me, as I'm reading this, it seems like the next part of the story could actually go really quickly because in some way Moses has resolved who he is. He and Aaron have gone to Egypt. There's been obedience. The people there have heard what God is gonna do and they're worshiping. And it just seems like the next thing would be to knock on Pharaoh's door, let the people go. Yahweh said, let the people go and they just haul them out and that's all that there is. It seems like the story could go that way. Now we know that it doesn't, but it feels like there's that sort of momentum at the, at the beginning of chapter five. And what we're going to find really early on in this story is that there is going to be resistance. There is going to be significant resistance in this, uh, in this dynamic between Moses, Aaron, and Pharaoh um, as they seek to lead the people out. But before we get into this conflict, because we're about to go headlong into this showdown uh, between God and Pharaoh, before we do that, we have got to be reminded of something that we established a few series ago in our series on spiritual warfare. Because the danger here is that we think that everything that's about to happen is a showdown between God and a man named Pharaoh, okay? Well, we realized, and we said this a few times, Pharaoh is not even a title for a specific person. Pharaoh is a, is a general title. If we want to talk about a specific person, we would say uh, Pharaoh and then their name. And I used Pharaoh Mike Smith uh, last week, and he uh, may or may not have appreciated that. We talked this week, and uh, so he would, he would rather you not call him Pharaoh. 
narrow mic just as, a, uh, as an aside. But uh, the point is that this is, this is about uh, a, a power. And we, we don't even know if it's the same uh, Pharaoh throughout the story, though as we narrow down, we think that, that probably it is. But here's the point from our spiritual warfare series that we have to grab. That ever since Genesis chapter three, we have learned that there has been a co-rebellion between human and divine creatures against Yahweh based on worship. A co-rebellion between, uh, with human and divine creatures against Yahweh centered around worship. And the failure of human beings in Genesis 3 and throughout human history, the failure of human beings to worship Yahweh and instead to worship idols and these spiritual rebels, which is what the Bible calls hard-heartedness. So sin, hard-heartedness, all of these things are pointing at a failure of worship, an ignoring by humanity of the fact that they belong to God and their proper place is in worship to the one true God, Yahweh. Instead, humans have turned from him and we have worshiped idols of creation, namely ourselves. This is what the Bible's talking about when it talks about sin, when it talks about hard-heartedness, callousness to God. And this happens in Genesis 3 and then rolls on throughout history. But that problem, that failure of worship, is what has led to all of the evil that we see in the world. So all evil, all brokenness comes and flows out of that brokenness of humanity in their relationship with God because of hard-heartedness. And so the showdown that we're about to witness, this, this whole thing between God and Pharaoh, is not God taking on a man. What this is about is this is about a God confronting the supernatural evil that has been commingled with wicked human beings and wicked human systems seeking to devastate and eliminate God's plan for the redemption of humanity. You got that? I think a lot of times we think about this as God versus Pharaoh. And I know I just said a ton, but we've got we've to recalibrate this in our mind that God is confronting the supernatural evil that's commingled with human powers and human systems of hard-heartedness. And those systems, right now what we're seeing happen in the book of Exodus is those systems, that commingling of evil is seeking to eliminate and destroy God's covenant people. Why is that a problem? Why would God be concerned about that? Because what did he tell Abraham? That it is in and through this covenant people that the nations of the world that will, be, will be blessed. The problem of Genesis 3 is going to be solved in and through Abraham's family. And this commingling of evil power is seeking to, in this moment, wipe out God's covenant people. So the redemption of humanity is on the line here and evil forces, dark and evil forces mixed with human beings of hard-heartedness have set themselves against Yahweh's plan. That's what the conflict is about to be. You guys good? Can we kind of reframe that a little bit as we go into this? Because if not, if you think this is God versus a human being, you're gonna get way mixed up in this story. You're gonna go, whoa, little harsh. But it's not at all. The redemption of humanity is on the line. This is spiritual and unseen evil mixed with the evil of humanity. This is a major, major showdown. Okay, so we good? So here we go. Exodus chapter five. We're gonna do a whole chapter today. Everybody say, we can do it. 
Yes, you can. Okay, here we go. Chapter five, verse one. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Then they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go. Now watch this, church. A three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, behold, the people of the land are now many and you make them rest from their burdens. Now it's interesting that this is the first prophetic speech in scripture when it comes to the, the phrase, thus says the Lord. This is the first time that that shows up in scripture. And Moses and Aaron say, thus says the Lord, that it's time to let their people go. Now why? What was the reason? What did they request? They requested a journey, a three days journey into the wilderness to hold a feast, to worship Yahweh. Why? What do they say? Because to not worship Yahweh is not good for us. It will not be good for us if we don't worship the Lord. So all they ask Pharaoh, now this may surprise you because in the story in our mind, the demand is let them go, they're never coming back. But that's not how this begins. This entire conversation, the, the original ask is let them go worship. The whole thing is about worship. Now that shouldn't surprise you Bible scholars and you guys that have been around a while. We know that this whole thing revolves around worship. The request is about worship. So here's our first big point of the day. That rescue is for the purpose of worship. I'm gonna say that again. Rescue is for the purpose of worship. God is asking Pharaoh to allow his people to step away, to rest and to worship. Remember, what were they building for Pharaoh? They were building store cities. And what do scholars believe that this was? They were literally building buildings that would store the treasure trove that would be held for the worship of Pharaoh as deity in the afterlife. So once, once this, this king would die, he would, be, he would be deified and people there would be religious cult worship to that Pharaoh for the rest of his life. And they would store up items for worship. And the Hebrew people were building those, uh, those store cities. So they were using their hands for the building of worship for something other than Yahweh and the request is stop, let them go and place their worship in its proper place, which is to Yahweh. Now, stop for a second and think about this. Would, think about the decision that's, under, that's uh, for, in front of Pharaoh right now. Would this be good for Egypt for Pharaoh to say, that sounds like a good idea. Why don't you go and then come on back? Would that be a good idea? Nod and say yes. Yeah. Why? Because those who bless you, I will bless. God is asking that his people remain in a worshipful relationship with him because the design is that through God's covenant people, them in relationship with Yahweh, that's how the nations of the world are meant to see the goodness and the blessing of Yahweh and come to worship him. 
So God's people being in right relationship with him is for the good of the nations. And right under Pharaoh's nose is an enormous blessing that not that long ago Egypt experienced, right? Not that long ago, there was blessing for Egypt. Why? Because Joseph was prominent there. And the, and the Israelites were allowed to flourish in, in, in relationship with God, and it was good for Egypt. This Pharaoh, this moment, is saying, no, 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 I'm not going to let them go and worship. Here's what this, here's what this does. This shows Pharaoh's absolute foolishness and hard-heartedness. And we can step back from this, I think, and it's important for us to, to realize that this is pointing to the cross. Rescue for the purpose of worship is, is obviously pointing to the cross where God himself came in the person of Jesus to confront the serpent and the powers of sin and death and evil so that humanity might be set free to do what? Worship. You and I were designed to worship our salvation, the, 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 the forgiveness of our sin and the filling of the Holy Spirit to put us in right relationship with God was for the purpose of worship. But Pharaoh is a fool and he's hard-hearted. And what does he say? What's his response? Who is Yahweh? Who is Yahweh that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know Yahweh and I will not let the people of Israel Go And then what does he say? He, what does he say to Moses and Aaron? Why, do you, why are you trying to let them go anyway? Because they're just lazy. The problem is you. <laughs> you want them to go because they're just, they're just lazy. And so what does he do? Pharaoh imposes a harsher labor on the Hebrews in response to this. He basically says, I'm gonna summarize some of chapter five. I told you we could do it. We're not gonna, this is my little cheat code. I'm gonna do a little summary. What he does is he says, Okay, because you're lazy, then I'm gonna remove, and, and you, were making, you were making bricks for, for these store cities. Now I'm gonna remove the material that you were using to make those bricks and I'm gonna demand from you the same amount of work except for you now have to go and get your own material. He's removing the straw, but they had to meet the same quota. Now, this is, this is really important because he turns and in this step of faith and in, in Moses and Aaron saying, okay, we want, we want to go worship. And Israel saying, we want to go and worship. What are they met with? They're met with immediate resistance. And so our next really important point here is that powers and principalities of darkness are never going to agree to the worship of anything other than false gods. Powers and principalities of darkness are never going to agree to the worship of anything other than false gods. And let me just tell you that powers and principalities of darkness don't care much what false god you worship. But the statement that they're gonna make over and over and over again is who is Yahweh? And why should we obey the voice of Yahweh? I'm just telling you, powers and principalities of darkness are happy for you to worship anything other than Yahweh. And so Pharaoh turns it on them and says, you're just lazy. And he imposes a harsher labor on them to do what? To deter them from worship. To deter them from worship. 
Now go to verse 20. We're gonna skip a little bit here. Go to verse 20. And so in between where we left off in verse 20 is the, is the description of this harsh labor, of the removal of straw and the adding of, of the, uh, you still have to hit the quota. And, and, and here's what we're about to read is the response from the Israelites, the response from Moses and Aaron. Listen to this. They met Moses and Aaron. So this would be the, the, the leaders here of the Hebrew people. This, and they, they met Moses and Aaron who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh. And they said to them, the Lord look on you and judge because you have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. What are they saying? They're saying, here, here you were, you were supposed to come and save us. All that momentum from 431 that we read where they bowed and worshiped and this was gonna be a great thing. When this, when this response from Pharaoh comes and he imposes this harsh labor, they realize that they can't do it. They realize it's impossible, that we are literally about to work ourselves to death. And so they come to Moses and Aaron and they say, you have made us stink before Pharaoh and you have literally handed him the tool that he is gonna use to wipe us out. The very thing that we were crying out to God for and the, the thing that we thought we were being rescued from, you have now literally handed to him the tool to wipe us out. They become completely fearful. And here's what I would just say to us. Anytime that we move in the direction of worship, anytime that, you, that your life points in that direction of worship, listen to me, church, there is going to be resistance. Worship is not easy. Anytime that you seek to point your life in a direction of greater worship, there will be resistance. And with resistance, what do we do? We do the same thing that we just heard right here. What do we often do when there's resistance to worship? We turn and retreat. Oh, that must have been a mistake. I'm gonna come back. Oh, it was a mistake for you to go and confront Pharaoh. Now we're, gonna, now we're gonna be wiped out. We wanna return. We wanna just go back to the way that things are. And here's the deal. We're gonna see this as a pattern for Israel. This is not the first time that this is gonna happen where, where greater worship is met with resistance and that resistance causes Israel to go, uh, let's go back. Let's go back to a place of bondage. Let's go back to a place of slavery. Why wouldn't you just leave us in Egypt? It would have been easier there. And I wanna just tell you that that is absolutely true. It would be easy for you to stay where you are, but it would be not life-giving to you. It is hard for us to move in the direction of worship, but it is good. But oftentimes when we move in that direction of worship and we're met with resistance, the first thing we do is go, whoa, maybe I should just chill out a little bit. <laughs> maybe I should just take a step back, a big point, a big, big point is coming here because we're not just going to see this with Israel. Look at verse 22. I mean, I don't know. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being in Moses's shoes? I don't know what he expected. Maybe in the back of his mind, maybe, are Yahweh's words where he said, Pharaoh's not going not to just lay over and die here. He's going to be, 
he's gonna be serious. Maybe that's in Moses's mind. Or maybe Moses just thought, finally, all this hard stuff is over and I'm kind of come to grips with who I am. And maybe I'll just walk in, say this to Pharaoh, do a few things with the rod and the staff and then walk away. I don't know what was in his mind. But at the very beginning, with the first demand, now Moses has got the very people he came to rescue beating down his door and going, you literally just got us killed. <laughs> Leadership. <laughs> right? I don't know what he's thinking, but here's what he prays. Then Moses turned to the Lord, verse 22, and said, oh Lord, why have you done, listen to this word, evil. What? Why have you done evil to this people? Look at this question. Why did you ever send me? Man, we're like going all the way back, aren't we? <laughs> we thought we had this handled. Have you, have you ever had that happen before where greater faith makes you look at things you thought you had all tidied up? Nobody, just me. All right, I'll take it. Why did you send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he's done evil to this people. And then look at this, look at this accusation. And you haven't delivered them at all. That turned quick, didn't it? You get the feeling here, again, I don't know. You get the feeling here that Moses just thought Pharaoh was gonna go, you know what, that's a good idea. I don't know. But notice the pattern. Do you see the pattern? Do you see the pattern in Israel's response and Moses' response? The leaders of the Hebrew people go, why, why would you do this? You've, just, you've literally now got us killed. And Moses turns to God and goes, you've literally got us killed. <laughs> it's the same pattern. You see it corporately, church, and you see it individually. And I think we could see the same pattern in our life. And I think we can see the same pattern as a church. Sometimes that when we go, okay, God, we're gonna take a step of faith. We're gonna go out and we're gonna walk in greater faith. When we do that individually and we're met with resistance, the first thing we often do is we shrink back. And sometimes the same thing happens as a church. As a church, when we go, okay, God, we're gonna believe you for more. We're gonna believe you for greater things. We're gonna believe you for the next step in ministry. The first time that there's resistance, we go, or we're just gonna keep doing the same thing we've always done. And this is our third big point here. Greater worship will always include resistance. Always. Greater worship will always include resistance. But let's be careful here. What do I, what do I mean when I say worship? Let's go to the book of Romans chapter 12. And we're gonna kind of start to close down here. Romans chapter 12. What do I mean when I say worship? Chapter 12, verse one. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So worship is defined as a daily sacrificial surrender of our whole selves to God for his glory. That's worship. When I say a move towards worship is always gonna include resistance, I don't mean a move towards the fourth song. 
What I mean when I talk about worship, moving towards worship, is when I talk about a greater surrender in our lives to God for his glory, that's the, that's the definition of worship. Anytime that our lives move in that direction, we are going to experience resistance. And Ephesians chapter two makes it clear that when we face opposition, that we do so from the mingling together of the world, our own flesh, and the devil. Those three things mingled together are the place where we experience resistance that push back against us as we seek to give ourselves more and more in worship. The world and the flesh and the devil will always push back against greater worship. So here's the question I have for you today, and I'm gonna share some of my story and we're gonna go to invitation, but where has God called you to increased worship? Where has God called you to increase worship? And here's the deal, when you took that step, when you, whatever that was, when you took that first step towards a greater surrender of the whole of your life to Jesus, when you took that step, did you experience resistance? And if you experienced resistance, what was our response to resistance? I'll tell you mine, it wasn't good. But Recently for me, it's been some of the disciplines. I think, I, I think this happened to me coming out of COVID where like every Sunday we had to do something different and make a whole new set of decisions. And it was like every day was fix it day. <laughs> You may have lived in that world. You know, I don't know what your, what your world looked like during all that, but every day was like, oh my gosh, how are we gonna get people to go on this side of the church and this side of the church and come in here and go in there and do that and not do that and not breathe on each other, not and all that craziness. And it was like, we were really reinventing the wheel every other, every other day. And I think I got from that, I think I got in this mode of every day I come to work, I'm gonna fix it. You guys with me? Sorry, that was really close to the microphone. I'm gonna fix it, I'm gonna fix it. There's a problem, I'm gonna fix it, I'm gonna fix it, I'm gonna fix it. And I got in this habit of, of problem and fix it and in between that, there was never this thing called prayer. There was never this thing called pause and, and realize that there's a sovereign God of the universe that has filled me with his spirit and is willing to lead me into all truth and has called me to abide in him. I skipped over that and went from problem to fix it, problem to fix it. And this habit called control started to creep in. I'm not talking really about me, just someone like me. <laughs> and I did that for a while. How many of you know it's been a little bit since 2020? That's called a habit. It's 2023 and here I am still doing the same thing. And it, it's begun to eat at me a little bit. I'm not, I'm, I'm a less happy person. I'm, I, you know, you could probably ask the staff though, I wouldn't, don't do this, but you might could ask them like, how cheerful is Kendall from 2020 to 2023? And I think you would see a, a decline. How snappy is he? How short is he? I don't know, you might could ask my wife. And I think you would see those things trending in a negative direction because I began to believe that I'm in charge of my world. I began to believe that I could fix and control my world. And I began to see the deterioration of my soul, began to ask God about it. God, what in the world? Where have I gone? And he began to show me these things. This is where you're at. This is what's going on. And I said, what do I, you know, what in the world? I don't want to live this way. I don't want to do this. What do I, what do I do about it? And God asked me for 10 minutes at the beginning of every day. Now this is, I, I, listen, I sit down and read my Bible 
every morning and spend time in the quiet doing that. But God didn't say, he said, don't do any of that. I just want you to, when you first thing, when you get to the office, I just need 10 minutes of total solitude and silence. You get in there and you just breathe and realize that I'm God. And I did that for two whole days. It was good. But that was about six months ago. Because you know what? On the third day, there were a couple emails I hadn't responded to. And there were a couple staff that needed some support and I needed to solve a problem. You see this? I took that step of faith and gave God two days. And in my soul, that had become patterned to busyness and control, what did I feel? Resistance. And the voice of the enemy came in and goes, you're losing control. <laughs> fix the problems. You're supposed to fix the problems. And, I, and my, the world, the flesh, and the devil ate at me, and I went, you're right. And I, and I slipped away. The moment there was resistance, I slipped away from those 10 minutes of silence because a step of greater worship met resistance, and what did I do? I went right back to the way things were. I don't know what that looks like for you, and I wanna just tell you, I had my 10 minutes today. And over the last week, I studied in this and read in this, and, I, and God showed me, remember, remember? So this week, I'm ahead. I preached the sermon to me before I preach it to you, and so I've got a week on you. But this week, there's been 10 minutes, and there's gonna continue to be 10 minutes, and you need to ask me about it. What am I gonna ask you about? What can I ask you about? You can ask me about my 10 minutes. What can I ask you about? Where has God called you to greater worship? Where has resistance caused us to turn back and go, go back to the way that things were? Would you stand? I wanna just remind you again that during this last song, we're gonna be passing the offering baskets for Darby and for Carrie. So be aware of that. You can also give in any of these boxes that are around the worship center or you can do that online, but don't be startled when the basket comes by you. I want us to just, just reflect and, and ask the Holy Spirit to show us where he's called us to great worship and where we've turned back because of resistance. And I wanna just come to a place, if it, so here was my journey. This week, it was just coming to a place of a surrender again and obedience. And I think that's the step. I think that's the step. Where has God asked for great worship? Where have maybe we shrunk back? The moment here, if you are feeling guilt and shame, if you're feeling a voice saying, see, you failed, I wanna just tell you that is not the spirit of God. God never convicts us for the purpose of shame. He only points out things in our lives for the purpose of greater worship, for us to experience more life. So if the spirit of God is, is in your heart pointing at something right now, I need you to know it's not to shame you, but to draw you closer to himself. And the way that we experience that is by going, yes, God, you're right, and here's surrender. Here's this part of my life. So I wanna just challenge you to ask 
the Holy Spirit to reveal that place in your life to you. If you need to spend time up here on these steps, you're welcome to do so. There are prayer partners in the back. If praying out loud with somebody is helpful in this, I just told all of you my mess. Sometimes it's good to tell somebody your mess and have them pray for you. If you need to do that, you can move to the back of the room certainly and feel free someone there will pray with you. If you need to move around the room and worship and and pray with one another, please feel free to do that. Holy Spirit, would you lead us and guide us? In Jesus' name, amen.